In the name of the true and living God, amen. Please be seated. Only a few days ago, I got back from a long-anticipated trip to New Mexico. I was one of a few adult advisors on a 12-day backpacking trek in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, which is sort of the southern part of the Rockies and the northern part of New Mexico. It's at a place called Philmont, and uh, this was a trip, a long backpacking trip with my daughter's Boy Scout troop. And indeed, you heard that right. My daughter is in a Boy Scout troop. It's an all-girls troop located here in D.C., which has been a blessing to her and to the other kids that are learning about the outdoors and the wonders of creation through it. And so Philmont itself is this vast area, 140,000 acres, with pristine forests and mesas and mountains, meadows, bears, mountain lions. And we hiked a little over 70 miles, including a few mountain peaks, the tallest of which was 11,700 feet. So the air was high altitude air. And we were, of course, roughing it as you do on a long backpacking trip. Everything that we had, we had to be able to carry on our backs, which means you have to think very carefully about what you bring. You can only bring a few changes of clothes, only a few changes of, of socks. Um, it was only toward the last few days that we adult advisors realized that we had enough fuel that we could afford to make hot water for coffee in the morning. I know for some people that would be a big deal. Um, deodorant, totally out, because, because it's a smellable. It attracts bears, and you just get used to it. But happily, I will say, we did get to have one shower on the seventh day. <laughs> um, for me, it was a privilege to be there, though I know sharing the, some of the stories with some of the people here, um, not everybody feels like it would have been a privilege to be on a trip like this. But one thing I will say that was a hardship for some of the people on the trip, but for me was a joy, was that electronics pretty much didn't work. Yeah. Some people brought phones, but they were on airplane mode the whole time to save battery life so they could take pictures. For me, I didn't bring any electronics, and it was something different to not have any emails, no texting, no social media, no news. And I realize I'm speaking mostly to people who live in the Washington area. Imagine two weeks without news. After the first few days, you stop thinking about it. Instead of looking at screens, we found ourselves instead looking at sunsets, looking at cloud formations, looking at the faces of one another. It felt like a cleanse from the distracted life that so many of us too often settle for so much of the time. Another remarkable thing, impactful thing, about hiking at Philmont is that some of the campsites where you stay, well, many of them have no staff, and they're just simple, clean campsites where you camp. But some of the campsites where you stay actually have staff that live there all summer long. And some of the campsites, they offer program like ropes course, but some of them are like a living history experience where you get these 20-somethings who are living out in the middle of nowhere, really living like they did back more than 100 years ago. And you get to kind of enter into their timeless world. 
But imagine the experience. When you have been hiking all day and your back and your feet are hurting and your water supply is running low and how it is the most wonderful thing to turn a corner and to catch a glimpse of a log cabin with people on the porch and to hear their shouts of welcome when they see you coming. More than once, it made me imagine what it was like to experience hospitality in the wilderness during biblical times. One experience I had thinking about the life of Jesus, I was looking at my feet when I was in the tent about to go to bed one night, and after hiking for so many days, your feet, you know, are not much to look at, dirty, smelly, and I remembered what it must have been like when he washed the feet of his disciples. And one time when we stayed at a camp, the only camp that actually provides a cooked meal for people who visit it, and experiencing what a gift of hospitality that was, I thought about what it would be like in his day to go to somebody's home and have somebody cook for you to receive that blessing. Like in the story that we hear about in today's gospel with Martha and Mary. In the lesson, of course, it's a very famous lesson, we have Martha and Mary uh, hosting Jesus as their guests in Martha's home. And the two of them offer hospitality in very different, different ways. Uh, Martha is in the kitchen. She is working and scurrying around and doing many tasks. Mary is not helping at all. All she's doing is sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to the words of her teacher. One other dynamic, by the way, that's going on is that the expected thing would be to be like Martha. That was the role for women at that time. And what Mary was doing was filling the role that a disciple would fill. One of the definitions of what it means to be a disciple is one who sits at the feet of the rabbi. And it was expected that this was only a role for men. And so when Martha is upset, part of it is her frustration, perhaps, about not getting the help from her sister, but part of it could be her wanting to enforce roles that weren't being enforced. But notice, I think it's really worth pointing out how when Jesus responds, he doesn't actually scold Martha. It's more of taking pity on her. He doesn't say that what Martha's doing is wrong. What he says is that what Mary has chosen is the better part. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted. Look at your sister. She has chosen the better part, the one thing that matters most. She has chosen to be present. There really is nothing new under the sun. All these thousands of years later, we fill our lives with distraction. And even our religious lives. We keep ourselves very busy when rather the goal of a religious life should not be about doing, but about being. The heart of our religious life should have the goal of helping us to be more present to God and to listening so that we might actually hear the word of God that is being spoken in our midst. And no wonder so many people outside of religious life have no interest in religion when they see religious people merely scurrying around or fighting with each other 
or talking loudly when they should be listening deeply. Rather than modeling a way of becoming more present, bringing our lives close to God's life. The great Franciscan teacher Richard Rohr, who happens to live in New Mexico, by the way, he loves to speak about our job in worship, which is to be present to presence. Jesus is present in the bread and the wine, and the Holy Spirit surrounds us and moves within us, especially when we're gathered as we do in a morning like today. And can we be present to that presence? That should be our highest goal, because we are invited to be like Mary. Interestingly, some commentators have proposed that uh, one of the problems was that Martha was preparing a meal that was too elaborate. I don't think this is necessarily the case and actually runs the risk of missing the point, but it does illustrate how whether a gift of hospitality is something large or small, presence is the more important thing because when you are on the trail, for example, and you are having some tuna fish squeezed out of a packet onto a saltine cracker, that can be the most delicious meal of your life because of you being present and appreciative in that moment. There is only one place that we can meet God. It is not in the future. It is not in the past. It is in the now. Martin Laird, in his book on contemplative prayer titled Into the Silent Land, alludes to this very passage and to what Jesus says to Martha when he writes, Communion with God in the silence of the heart is a God-given capacity for us. Like the rhododendron's capacity to flower, the fledglings for flight, and the child's for self-forgetful abandon and joy. The grace of God that suffuses and simplifies the vital generosity of our lives does not consummate this capacity while we live, then the very arms of God that embrace us as we enter the transforming mystery of death will surely do so. Whether we discover, as Jesus puts it, the one necessary thing during the time that we are given in our lives, or whether this revelation realization comes to us only at our end, God is our homeland. We are taught that we are to love God and neighbor, and love begins with presence. If we are truly present, the only possible result will be to become more loving, which is what is asked of all of us, is what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. Jesus is the one who is present to us now and at all times and on every journey, asking for us, too, to choose the better part. Amen.